0: Detransitioner Daisy Strongen shared the first part of her story on the last episode of Relatable, her story of thinking that she is a man and then starting to detransition back to who she really is. Uh, but she also is on a faith journey. She realized that God is real, and that was part of her recognition of her own femininity. So she's here today to tell us that part of her story. And this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com, use code Allie at checkout. That's goodranchers.com, code Allie. Did your parents ever call you by your chosen male name and your male pronouns?
1: Sometimes my mom did. Um, Usually she just avoided pronouns if she could, but it's kind of impossible to do that sometimes. Um, If it was a situation where, like, we're in public and, you know, someone sees me she knows she like she knew that like she couldn't just call me like oh this is my daughter because at this point i was starting to look distinctly male and passing all the time so and
0: your voice had lowered
1: yeah yeah and
0: testosterone also changes like the fat composition it changes your body to look more masculine right
1: yeah i mean i was still super skinny so people still thought i was like way younger than i am Mm. um but i definitely didn't look like a woman yeah. So sometimes she found herself in situations where she had to say that I was her son. Mm. And then.
0: But that was hard for her.
1: Yeah. And then my dad eventually did um, start calling me Ollie and his son. And like towards the very end, because the whole thing lasted about five years. And I think four or five years in, they kind of just figured, like, well, it happened. It's reality.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, You are trans. You have transitioned. So I'm not going to put so much mental energy into fighting this anymore. And I remember when my dad started, like, saying, like, introducing me, saying, like, this is my son, Oliver. My name was Oliver at the time, Ollie. Um, I, I felt so conflicted. I was like, I should... I, I feel, it feels good to be validated by my father. Um, but there was this cognitive dissonance of almost like feelings of guilt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, I don't know. I just felt like I had put them through so much. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he didn't actually see me that way. Yeah. I knew that, he still saw me as his daughter um so yeah i actually didn't i i had very i remember feeling very complex feelings about him validating me and yeah. my mom whenever she would um yeah. use male pronouns
0: and how did you feel after the double mastectomy
1: um right after it i felt very euphoric mm. um for the first like Three to six weeks, I would say. Um, Because there's something about, like, when you hate yourself and you want to be just anyone else and you want to change yourself in this insanely radical way that almost seems impossible, right? when you actually see the changes happening and the world starts to conform to your fantasy version of yourself,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it causes this, you know, there was a lot of vanity and narcissism involved. Like I'll just be very real. Um, It gives you this almost like high Mm. of being like, I have control of the world. Like I have control of how other people see me in a way that is, um that I didn't think was possible and when you when I like saw my chest for the first time I it was very surreal I had seen so many YouTube videos too of people seeing their chest for the first time and just like crying with joy and saying things like I'm finally free and it did kind of feel like a sense of freedom because it meant I didn't have to wear that binder anymore. Mm. And, you know, that made it harder to do things for sure. I couldn't really do any physical activity for more than like 30 minutes without getting out of breath. And mm. I knew I couldn't do that forever. Yeah. So the idea of like, oh, if I could just be flat chested and not have anything restricting my breathing, that would be right. amazing. Right. So I was very happy at first.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And I was like, well, I'll never regret this. Yeah. I feel so good. Yeah. So.
0: And did you ever consider what they call bottom surgery? No. You didn't? That was just, I've heard that, you know, like that even women who get the so called top surgery, that bottom surgery is like a bridge too far for them just because of all of the potential complications that come from that.
1: And just, I don't know, that part of my body, I, I always knew it was just like, I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. I like the idea of messing with that and having like a, a fake penis, not worth it. And yeah. I didn't feel like I hated that part of me. Yeah. You know?
0: It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. so
1: Because that was hidden from the world. Yeah. But I was just so focused on like, outward like other people's perception of me and just really indulging my vanity and Mm -hmm. just um so that part of me didn't really matter yeah that much at least not in my day to day life and I was okay with what I had and so I never considered bottom Bottom surgery. surgery.
0: So this was 2018, right? That you got the double mastectomy and then you told yourself, "Wow, I'll never regret this. I feel mm-hmm. so awesome. Finally, I guess masculine without the restriction of the binder, but you did come to regret it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that and how that happened and yeah. the timeline.
1: Yeah, well, um, everything that I initially wanted to do with my transition had been done. Um, the whole thing from hearing about genderqueer up until now it just escalated so quickly, and yeah. I was so gung ho about it. It was kind of like my religion, actually, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's based on a. It's kind of a re- inherently religious thing to say I have the soul of a man, totally. and that I, I need to align myself,
0: yeah, with Gnosticism. that
1: you know internal manhood. But, mm-hmm. um, I think I was. It was probably early 2019 when I. I I remember feeling frustrated over the fact that I was still thinking about my gender all the time. Hmm. I was kind of exhausted by it. Yeah. Um, And now, so like I'm passing all the time. Not everyone even knows I'm trans. Only the the, only people who know I'm trans are people who are close to me and they're all accepting. They all call me Ali. Nobody is, you know, No one sees me as a girl anymore, or at least no one seems to.
0: And that was like your ultimate goal. Yes. Was to pass for everyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just, and to blend in. Yeah. And I was, I had a, I had a normal job and was finishing up college. You know, I wasn't like, I was just living a very normal life for a 21 year old. But then... I started to just feel like I'm incomplete, Mm -hmm. like I've, I remember because I did not really look like a guy, like my, you know, torso up when I looked at myself, not wearing clothes. I'm like, I'm still really skinny and curvy Mm. and hairless and you know, I had watched so many, like, gender transformation videos of, like, people who really make themselves look like men and right. become very hairy. That's, like, that's a very small percentage of people. And I was just, like, I don't know if if I don't feel comfortable in myself now. I don't know if I ever will. mm And that's when I started to get very scary thoughts of like, did I really need to do this? Um, Mm. And I was terrified of those thoughts.
0: Yeah, I imagine that that would be really scary.
1: Yeah. And also at this point, I'm like 21. I like, I'm thinking more about having a family because I've never been a particularly career oriented person at all. Like I've always been a very family oriented person and at this point, at this age, I'm like, you know, I have been single for a couple of years and I was sort of like going on dates with people, but I didn't feel like any of them with boys. Yeah. With guys. Um, and I didn't feel like any of them wanted to like, get serious about me. Yeah. If they did, They probably saw me as like a fetish, like either Mm -hmm. the guys that I was dating were kind of like treating me like I'm a friend almost like just in a, in a very different dynamic of like, you know, male and male relationships. It's just so different and kind of awkward. Um, or they would be like really sexual around me. And like, that's when I knew that like, okay, you like you like girls who look like boys, like mm. that's kind of, you, yeah. you're you into that. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I started having feelings of like, man, this would just be a lot easier if I was just a straight girl. And I could be that, but I also can't because I've irreversibly uh, damaged my body and I've been at this for five years. And I've also told myself, you know, death before detransition. <laughs> Um, I've
0: heard that, or I've seen that, like,
1: yeah, it's a motto. It's, um, it's really not a healthy thing (laughs) to tell yourself. Um, but you know, I didn't make the decision initially to transition. I didn't make it lightly. I knew it was a really big decision and I told myself like, you can't go back on this, Mm. especially when I started taking irreversible steps, um, because I knew my voice was going to be deep forever and that my breasts were not going to grow back. So I was like, you you better be making the right decision, because mm-hmm. if you're not, you're, you know, effed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those thoughts that I was having, they were so terrifying that I couldn't even... I actually tried to suppress those thoughts very, yeah. very much so and just tell myself, like, you're fine. It's... You're just yeah. Just keep being a guy. It's
0: yeah.
1: you're okay. Your life is good.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe you'll have some more challenges, but hey, you signed up for that. So,
0: so what was it that tipped you over?
1: So, uh rewinding a little bit, I in 2018 there were a lot of things that tipped me over, honestly, but I think the the spiritual aspect is an obvious one that I've yet to talk about. Um, A lot of people hear my story, like they know that I'm now Catholic and they think like, okay, you just, you were groomed by Christians to do this for God. And that's the only reason it's like, it's much more complicated than that. But I started, so I had been atheist for like eight years Mm -hmm. from like eighth grade to uh, like 19 years old. Um, and then when I was 19, like, I just, I never thought about it. I never thought yeah. about God. I never thought about religion. Um, I just wasn't interested in that. I much preferred just doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, Cause I stopped being Christian. I was raised Protestant and I was raised um, Christian, not particularly Christian, but we went to church and I had a very like I had a very like childlike faith because I was a child and I knew, I knew that Jesus died for me. I knew that Jesus loved me and I knew that Jesus was God. And I just, I just loved him back. You know, there was no, I didn't know about, um, I didn't know about hell. I didn't know about sin. And I think in, in seventh grade when I learned about, hell and that Christians, you know, if you're not a Christian, you go to hell. I heard that and I was like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, my dad's not a Christian. I, I know people who aren't Christian. Like, and so that is when I kind of was like, I'm just going to reject this. You know, I, uh, science makes more sense and Mm -hmm. that's kind of, I, became like, like an annoyingly atheist eighth grade kid. Yeah. Um, and I just thought like, if you believe in God, like you're just anti-science yeah. and big bigot or whatever. And
0: I'm sure that thinking was also being af- affirmed online and kind yes. of what you were reading and yeah. the people you were connecting to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
0: yeah, go ahead and, um, if you can fast forward to then what kind of brought you back around yeah to believing in god
1: yeah my testimony it's kind of all over the place to be honest because there were just many times where i was like i felt called but then i would be like re- i would reject it again mm-hmm. um and so at 19 i think it was also because i i, start, I was listening to jordan peterson a lot at, at this time in like 2017 so that kind of reintroduced the question of like is God real? Because I found what he had to say about God and religion very compelling. So it got me thinking.
0: How'd you start listening to Jordan Peterson?
1: Well, he was caught up in a a lot of the uh, like pronoun controversy way back in like 2016. And I actually remember sympathizing with him and being very like disgusted with how A lot of trans people were reacting to him and trying to, you know, get him canceled. Yeah. 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 I was like, no, like I'm a free speech absolutist. Like free speech is, is very necessary. And then I started listening to his lectures and, um, he became kind of a significant figure in my consciousness. Um, so Hmm. that's when I started thinking about, you know, like, is God real? Is Christianity real? If Christianity is real, then, why christianity and why not something else um what is the bible like where did that come from very basic questions and i also felt like i wanted to start going to church again and i didn't know why i kind of i had a very i kept myself at a very like intellectual stance on it yeah it It wasn't really personal Mm -hmm. it's like obviously i can't be a christian Um, And I knew that progressive Christians were a thing, but even then I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm just going to sit in the back. I'm going to go to a bunch of different churches. I'm going to like, just see what it's like. I want to see how other people worship God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Not, I don't want to actually worship God, but I want to like, see what it looks like, I guess. Um, And so I basically just like would go to a different church per week. And sometimes I would go to a church, you know, a little more consistently, but then ultimately I would step back because I was like, these people can't know me. They, they can't really know me. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I never really like considered becoming a Christian at that time. Cause I was still trans and I, found it very difficult to reconcile being a trans Christian without just like completely ignoring the Bible and, you know, some people try to do
0: it, but it's interesting that you even then had that discernment to say those two things don't can't be reconciled. Yeah. And
1: like, no, the Bible does not directly explicitly address transgenderism because it wasn't a thing at all, but you know, like you've said genesis one it's yeah. god made them male and female um it doesn't seem i mean it just doesn't seem to um complement it that i could that that my gender is actually up to me and i can mm-hmm. change it yeah so and i just knew it would be hard to find a church because i didn't want to go to a really really woke church but i also didn't want to go to a church that would like um, say that, oh, you need to stop being trans. Mm -hmm. Um, so that went on for a while. And then the feelings of doubt and regret kind of started to rise up alongside that. But I don't think that the, the, the going to church influenced those feelings of doubt. I mean, they did, but it wasn't like i was sitting there thinking oh, i really want to be a christian but yeah. you know i have to detransition i'll just detransition so i can be a christian it was just like it just wasn't that simple yeah. um so may of 2020 like peak pandemic quarantine i'm locked in my house i'm i've just like given up on life i was so depressed i had been the feelings of regret, not just doubt, but regret, were really starting to weigh on me. Mm. And I, all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't have a future. I don't know what my future looks like. I can't detransition. Like, I I can't, I don't want to face the reality of going through life as a woman with a deep voice and and no breasts. No one will ever love me. No one will want to be with me. Um, and I'm just like, I can't fix this. I've permanently androgenized myself and I never like wanted to do that Mm -hmm. obviously I knew I wasn't going to become a biological male but I thought I would be able to cope with the with that fact better um but it became really hard so I was just like staying up till like 5am drinking every single night Mm. and smoking a ton of weed and just trying to like numb myself i just didn't cope yeah i just didn't care anymore um and there was one day thursday was my testosterone shot day and um for several weeks before that i would kind of have this internal battle with myself like do i want to do I want to do this or I want to do my shot I've Been having these feelings now I'll just do my shot just do the shot um because I felt like if I stopped taking tea then I would that would basically be the end of my transition and I, I'd like some people you know they don't necessarily have to continue being on tea but the feelings of doubt and regret were piling up so much that I was like if I've stopped tea I know why I'm stopping tea so um But then yeah, one Thursday came, it was May 14th, 2020. I'm really good at remembering dates, (laughs) but I its like, no, I can't do this. Every shot that I take is bringing me one step closer to needing a hysterectomy Mm. because of the atrophy that's happening. Um, And again, I was still living at home at the time and I told my mom like, I don't wanna do my testosterone shot and i was so scared that she was either going to be like really overly celebratory or like have an intense reaction to that cuz i didn't want to i didn't want people to be celebratory at that time cuz i was devastated yeah i wasn't happy about it at all um and she basically asked me like why not and I kinda told her like I think I maybe want to go back to being a girl and or or like try try being a woman. I think I was like I was pretty I was treading very carefully. I was like, I might wanna see if maybe I'll be okay with being a woman again. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that was the day that I stopped taking testosterone, and I consider that to be when my detransition started.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I felt this sort of freedom to look at Christianity in a different way. And I know that, like, you don't have to—you don't have to cleanse your. You're not supposed to cleanse yourself of sin before becoming a Christian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but. And I definitely, that was not my only sin, like (laughs) not even close. I was up to my head in sin. Um, but that was just a really big barrier. That's why I felt like I couldn't really like give myself over. Yeah. So.
0: And let's, let's back up some, mm -hmm. because we were talking off camera before this, um, And when you messaged me originally, you talked about um, when when and and why did you start listening to Relatable, of all things? Yeah,
1: well, I had, you know, this is going to sound weird, but I was always a little
0: bit more of like had a conservative mindset. Yeah. I mean, if you sympathize with Jordan Peterson, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was never, I always like thought that the hard left stuff was like, you know, more off the rails, but I, I, I fancied myself a centrist. Yeah. Um, and I thought that like, there were people who were on the extreme right side that were also off the rails. And, um, I think that was my perception of you at first. I was like, she's like so conservative. How did like, you
0: find this podcast? Um, Do you remember? I think it's it okay just showed up
1: on YouTube. I think actually the first thing I ever saw from you was uh, you were responding to a progressive Christian YouTuber that I watched. Mm. Um, and that was, I think, one of the first things I ever saw of you. And I was like, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like how close-minded she is let me watch more for some reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then yeah I think it was also like around quarantine when I was like watching your episodes in full and I kind of just found myself doing that and I was like huh maybe maybe I'm doing this because I think that she's right and I actually appreciate her perspective but also she is very against transgenderism so I don't know um But definitely like you did like change my mind on several things like i wasn't i would have said i was like pro-choice but like you know abortion's wrong but in some cases it's okay um and i thought your position at first was extreme but then hearing you explain it i it i it actually became pretty clear to me like oh there's this is actually a pretty black and white issue Mm. um but Yeah, that was just, that's just one example. Um, And so, oh, I was also watching a lot of like detransitioners at this time, but. Yeah. Actually, not a lot. Um, I just, I was, it was becoming more aware. I was becoming more aware of the existence of detransitioners. And I, I treaded very carefully around that because I was like, I'm worried I'm going to relate to them a little too much. So. You know, I was still like scared of detransitioning, but then, then when I actually decided I was detransitioning, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a lot more open to hearing these people's experiences. And, um, yeah, so around the same time that I decided I was going to detransition, I also started to, um, spend time in, uh, in, my closet actually reading the Bible and mm. praying mm. because I, I felt like I needed to be in a closet away from my phone because I'm a bit of a social media addict. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I didn't want to have any distractions. I was like, I'm going to read this book as if it's just true. Mm. And, um, and I'm going to pray while doing it mm. and just see what happens. And um, that doing that for a month or two, it really, it wasn't actually very hard to accept scripture as true, like I thought it would. I thought, I mean, my intellect was still kind of getting in the way and Mm -hmm. I still, you know, I would still read some things and it, and it like wouldn't make sense to me. It's not like, you know, it, it, it obviously is not like a simple, it's a very overwhelming to like start reading the Bible Mm -hmm. and be like, I was doing like a Bible reading plan and, Mm -hmm. um, but the prayer aspect paired with it and just learning how to pray and mm-hmm. how I would feel when I prayed uh was really something I don't really know how to put it into words actually um but there was just this um just this sense of like overwhelming peace mm-hmm. and so I was like. Okay, I'll I guess I'm I I think I need to submit to Christ because right now I have no idea. I like I'm really desperate right now. Um and I feel like it's like when I read the gospels like they just sparkled. They just like it was like the words came off the page. I I didn't I was Reading, you know, I had studied philosophy in college, so I had read a lot of different philosophers, and you know, there were some things that was that were moving to me, but not like not like this, not like the Gospels, and just like learning who Jesus was um, in a in a much deeper way because obviously i I knew who he was, and i was I was familiar with the gospel, but um taking it s- straight from scripture was just like. Yeah. very very different experience than reading say, you know, so- the trial of Socrates or something. Yeah. Um but wow. Yeah, so and and churches were not open at this time because it was like nothing yeah. was open. The world was like turned off. Yeah. So, um this is when my life just really take a dra- took a drastic turn.
0: Yeah. Cuz
1: I also um before the pandemic, I went on three dates with my now husband Mm -hmm. and I was still identifying as trans but like secretly full of regret and then um after when the restrictions lightened up a little bit he texted me and was like hey I want to see you again I was like oh I that's surprising I like thought I didn't know you were still thinking about me um and I was like well I'll just go on a date to basically tell him that it's not going to work out because I'm detransitioning and I'm having an, a really intense spiritual experience that yeah. involves me giving my life to Christ. So I'll just go out with him to tell him that it's not going to work out basically. Um and then and then so I was like it was a couple months after I had decided to detransition I still looked like a boy. Um and uh I told him and he was like, yeah, okay, I definitely want to do this with you. And then we were just inseparable and Mm. um, we actually started going to church together. And um, yeah, and then and then I kind of fell away from Christianity again. You thought that was the the end, like I stayed Christian the whole time. But no, there was still resistance. Cause I felt like, you know, I wasn't praying enough or, you know, I still, I didn't do a particularly like, I felt like I wasn't doing a particularly good job at like staying sanctified and being holy and wanting to be holy and being repulsed by sin because I had fallen in love with Jesus. I had expected to be just immediately like repulsed by sin. Like don't want to get drunk. Don't want to watch any movies with sex scenes. But like, I wasn't. I still enjoyed sinning I still enjoyed you know trying to get away with as much freedom as I could because this was just a I found myself becoming almost overly legalistic towards myself and just always questioning like if my salvation was genuine um and you know I just had all these other voices in my head saying things like well if you're not repulsed by sin, then are you really a Christian? And like, that just made me really doubt myself. And probably eight months after my initial conversion, which was very climactic and emotional, I started to kind of lose the passion that I had and praying less and less because, again, like social media, it's it's, it's the cross I have to bear because like it's, it's, it's still gets in the way of my growing my relationship with God. Um, and so I basically kind of fell into this like mindset, because I also kind of had some, I think I had, I didn't really have my own like a firm foundation of what my theology was, but I did believe in predestination and I thought, nah, eh, I'm just damned. Like nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Um, I'm just, this just isn't for me because mm. I still want to sin and I want to pray less and less. And, uh, I just had no patience with myself. And so I was like, you know what? I can't really call myself a Christian because eventually the faith in the, the resurrection and the reality of Jesus being the savior started to wane. I was just kind of like, eh, maybe, I don't know. So I was like, well, I can't call myself. A Christian, if I don't believe these things, and I was like sad and discouraged about it. Um, I I want I I still wanted to be a Christian, um, but so yeah. Then there's another year of me being not religious, and you know I was like I don't want to talk about it, like, because my my husband had his own faith journey, um, but. He often wanted to like have these intense theological discussions with me and I would almost get hostile like about it. I was like, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. Um, but then I got, I got married and then I got pregnant right away. Um, and when I was about eight months pregnant, I started thinking like, how do I want to raise my son in terms of like religion and God? How do I, do I want to raise him with just nothing? I don't, I don't want to raise him with nothing. I don't know how I want to go about it because I, myself at this point, like I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. <laughs> um, And I don't really have, I, I didn't trust myself to be able to like, raise him in anything solid, but I want to go to church again. Let's just start going to church again, uh, just for community, just to have something uh, that he can go to. And yeah, I was kind of just didn't feel super strongly about it, but I did really want to Go to church and raise him in an environment where you know he was going to church and just hearing about hearing about it, um, and then I'll just figure it out my own. I'll figure it out on my own. I'll maybe I'll become Christian again, maybe not. But I want my son to have uh, to have exposure to this because I know it's good. I know it's good. Um, so we started going to an Episcopal church. Which I had never gone to before. I had gone to a lot of like non denominational churches, um, some like Pentecostal, charismatic churches, um, Methodist, and it just seemed either disingenuous or just like all about the pastor and the preaching, which is like preaching. Good preaching is obviously important, but um, I liked the. Episcopal environment because the liturgy, I was attracted to how just histor- historic the liturgy is and how um, far it goes back. And I was not considering becoming Catholic at this time at all, because I was like, I hardly believe in God and Catholics believe in all of this extra stuff. Like it it's it was very overwhelming, the idea of that. Um, but I'd always been attracted to the beauty of Catholicism and just, you know, the weddings and the funerals and that I had gone to that were Catholic. I was very attracted to the just the beauty of it. Um, but I thought that, you know, was all it was. I was like, I'm not going to become Catholic just because I like the aesthetic, you know. Um, and so we started going to this Episcopal church. And I knew that Episcopal churches were kind of more on the progressive side, but this one didn't seem that progressive. Like it, it's not like they had a rainbow flag out front or anything, um, or like, you know, drag queen pastors. <laughs> like it wasn't crazy. So we were going there for a while, and um, it was a positive experience. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, I really, the people here are very kind and uh, you know, I, I like the preaching. Some of it I don't like, but I was still just like caught up in this, like, what's the truth? What's actually the truth? And I was still, you know, I, I had read a lot of scripture at this point. I think I had read pretty much the entire Bible at this point. And it's like, some of the stuff in the Bible is pretty clear, but a lot of it's leaving me with more questions than answers. And um, that's when, you know, when I started going to the Episcopal Church, like, I didn't know, I wasn't getting a lot of clarity from that church. I wasn't getting, you know, they weren't really talking about sin at all. Um, they were talking about love and peace and justice and acceptance. And again, they weren't like overly over the top woke, but I was like, there's something, there's a lot of, there's like something missing. There's a, there's like all of the gaps of what the truth is, weren't really being filled for me. And I was trying so hard to not be like, snobbish or overly like picky about like i was like i just just go to a church it's good to go to go to church like don't obsess too much over what kind of church and what they believe about everything but um that's when i started to get more curious about just the idea of there being a one true church and I eventually came to realize that that's the Catholic Church.
0: Okay, I'm excited to tell y'all about a pro-life diaper company. Unfortunately, a lot of diaper companies out there um, are actually hostile to their future customers because they are providing funds for their company's employees to go get abortions and they are donating to pro-abortion organizations. It's absolutely crazy. You'd think that that wouldn't happen, but that's exactly what's going on at a lot of these major diaper companies. You don't have to worry about that at Every Life. Every Life is a pro-life diaper company. These are high-performing premium diapers created with your little ones in mind. They have an amazing mission. Uh, mission with their buy for a cause bundle that you can purchase to support families in need of essential items like diapers and wipes. They're working with pro-life organizations like Save the Storks and Live Action to make sure that we are saving as many babies as possible. So make the switch. Get your diapers from Every Life. Go to everylife.com. Use code Allie10 at checkout. That's everylife.com, code Allie10.
1: We were baptized Catholic in uh, April of this past year. Me, my husband, and uh, my son, we were all baptized. And and you
0: have a 15-month-old, and you're almost due with your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is an amazing—that in itself is an amazing story of redemption. Now, yes. obviously, we've got lot, plenty of serious theological differences, as I am a Reformed <laughs> Protestant, and unfortunately, we don't have time to— parse all of those out but yeah
1: and I've only been Catholic for like less than a year so I I'm not ready to do like straight up apology yet so yeah
0: but I do I do have to mention that because obviously my audience who is I do have some Catholics in my audience but it is mostly reformed Protestants I would be remiss if I didn't say something about um oh yeah our disagreements but I am so thankful so thankful for your story and how God redeemed you and pulled you out of the pit at so many different times in so many different ways and also that like he's giving you the courage to share your story because not everyone who has your story shares your story and that is just another way I think that he's using you as a vessel of redemption yes and I'm I'm very thankful for that the
1: reason why I talk to media about this and not just keep it to myself is because I want people to have to not despair if they feel like they might regret their transition. Um, I want people to know that there is life after detransition. And I also want people to know the gospel. And I'm still learning how to do that because I'm all too familiar with the cynicism that comes with, you know, having bad experiences with the church or just, just atheism. I, I am still trying to learn how to share the gospel with people in a way that is effective. And, um, I pray that, um, like just before I came out here, I was just praying like, Jesus, please just tell me what to say somehow. Just give me the words. Um, but I just want people to know that there is life after detransition and it's not the end of your life and yeah yes it's it's um it can feel very devastating to feel this type of regret um you know like i can't i can't breastfeed my kids um and that's really hard it's just being hard it's hard being a a woman without breasts you know But um, I am so incredibly blessed with my life. I mean, Mm -hmm. I forgot to say this, but one of the things that just led me ultimately now to live a more religious life, regardless of how I felt about how I was doing or like, you know, spiritually or how often I was praying, or if I was praying the right way, or if I, you know, it's like, God's given me so much grace. And that's so obvious. Why would I not? Why would I not give him my life? Like, I just, I'm, I'm bowled over by the amount of grace that he's given me, Hmm. like, two children, an amazing husband, the like, I am living the life that I've always wanted to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just astounding. Yeah. So
0: praise God. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to come here and to share your story in person. And your kids are very, very blessed to have you as a mother. So, um, thank you so much. And I, I know that God can use your story to change people's hearts and to change people's lives. So, thank you.
1: Thank you.